Well, it's so fantastic that you are here with us at Good Life at Your Place. And we're pumped because you've joined us on a brilliant Sunday as we start a brand new series, Why the World Needs Good Life. Quite an audacious topic. Let me put it this way for you. Uh, Jesus. To say that I want to follow Jesus, well, that's... Well, it's a decision of faith, but look, he's infallible, he's God, he's all majestic, he's all powerful, he's all knowing. So following a God like that, I'm in. For me, it's a no-brainer. But then when Jesus talks about his church and he says, come on, I want you to be a part of the church. Don't forsake the gathering together of the brethren. All those things about we work together in unity, that he gives the church a cause and a purpose and Well, look, that's lovely, Jesus, but have you noticed your church? It's not always infallible. We're talking about a fallible church. We're talking about people that can get it wrong. We're talking about leaders that can mess up. This is not as easy, but if, well, if Jesus, who is God, and he goes, look, I want you to work with my church. This is how we're going to work in the community. Well, I can at least trust what he says right there. He says that the church is his bride and He's the groom. He said the church is his body and he is the head. So to grapple with this concept of church is really, really important. The church is not the building. And I think in the coronavirus uh, change in this season, we have realized and seen that more than ever before that the church is active and it's powerful. Jesus' body is stronger than ever before. And I'm going to tell you that it's, uh, well, I'll tell you what, it's more needed than ever before. So we can say, well, look, why the world needs Jesus, tick. Why the world needs the church, well, yeah, it's slightly complicated, but Jesus, okay, I get it, tick. But then to say why the world needs good life is, well, it's interesting. There's a unique DNA, unique blend. It's a family. It's, uh, I tell you what, God's been very creative in pulling together this family, this team with the perks and the quirks, the ups and the downs, the strengths and the weaknesses. And so here we are having the audacity to say that the world needs not just Jesus and not just his church, but this particular one. Well, I tell you what, you better be confident what God is actually wanting to do in and through us to have the ability and the audacity to be able to say those sorts of things. There's a unique DNA in Good Life Church, quirky, bold, uh, non-conformist, irreverent, fun, lively, Well, it sounds like the perfect opportunity for you to be a part of a team that's willing to celebrate you and the great things God could do in through you and us together. Um, So when it comes down to it, God has always believed in his kids. Right from the start, he's been believing in his children and given them a go and said, you go for it. And and when they give it a go, he backs them all the way through the Old Testament. Uh, Patriarch after patriarch, matriarch after matriarch. You will find people giving it a go and God going, brilliant, I love it. And getting involved with his power, his miracle power moves upon those. Signs and wonders follow those that believe. Since creation, he's shown that pattern. Men and women that say yes to him and his plans for good are empowered and people are wowed. And that's the whole point. Because what you can do through God is way more than what you could do without God. And people go, wow, there must be a God. So God uplifts and works with people. Um, Then Jesus comes along and, well, he lives on planet Earth to show us how to live. But then for three and a half years, he has his own 
on-time ministry. Like he's got three and a half years of, uh, of, of intensity when it comes to that ministry. Now, um, he, he, he changes the world. And then after three and a half, day, after three and a half years, mind you, he dies uh, on the cross. Uh, he goes to the grave. He resurrects, pretty cool party trick. And then even better, ascends to heaven right in front of the disciples. And he goes, guys, you can do it. And since that day, God has been working not just through individuals, but more together, even as a church, as a combination. And right at the start of the book of Acts is where those disciples then do their stuff as individuals, but also together. They were a team. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, some of the last words that Jesus says to his disciples. He says, you shall receive power. This is God getting involved. When? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my Witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth, basically your hometown, the place down the road and everywhere you go. God himself limits his unbelievable and undeniable and unreachable. This is his limits are massive. He is beyond what you could ever imagine or ask or dream or think. God can do immeasurably more than you can ask or think. And he goes, you know what? I'm just gonna limit that. To working with you. You better believe that God wants to work through you. And then as we read through Acts, we're going to find out He doesn't just want to work through you. He wants to work through us. His power is at work within us. His authority is going to be at work within us. And so the world needs Jesus. The world needs His church. And yes, He needs us. He needs Good Life Church. So today I'm praying that you would be a little bit more confident in the us that God has called us to be, the unique DNA, the perks and the quirks that we would say, God, you've given us a big perspective and a big vision. Let's go for it. I wanna be a part of that team. God limits himself to our willingness to uh, trust the process and to embrace his priorities. And if we do, then the God of Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, the God that can do, the God that is able to do immeasurably more, he goes, I will and that power is going to be at work within us. It's at work within his church. It's kind of like me when I wrestle my kids. I've got three young men uh, that, that, uh, that my wife and I are raising, 17, 14, and 11 years. Uh, now, I have been wrestling those kids for as long as I can remember. But right now, they're getting a little bit large, and, and there's a couple of them getting a little bit strong. And so for years, I have completely limited myself in my ability, my strength, my weight. This big frame landing on a small child could really harm them. So I limit myself because there's a, and that's the process, there's a process to making wrestling fun. God limits himself to the process. It's kind of the same sort of deal. And God also limits himself because we want to embrace his priorities. And when it comes to wrestling, there's a couple of priorities. Number one is fun. So I had to teach my kids, we're here to have fun. So there were certain things that they weren't allowed to do. If we're going to have fun, embrace the priorities, let's have fun. And I had a car accident when I was younger and I can't actually handle being pulled off the back like that. So they would run from behind. We're all having fun. Next thing you know, one would run from behind and pull my back like that. And I'm like, it's got to stop right now. We have a rule. There's a couple of things that have got to happen and that is one. Also, you're not allowed to, uh, well, you're not allowed to hit 
each other in places that could have create irreparable damage. And uh, so there's a few places that are just barred. You can't hit there, you can't punch there, you can't do all that kind of different stuff. The processes that we had to teach our children in regards to that, that wrestling is that if you're in trouble, don't put like, we had to actually teach one of our children how to tap out. That's if the brothers are actually holding them in some kind of arm lock or doing some kind of fun, that they're going to keep on going until you go, I have to stop right now, tap out. A couple of years ago, we had our youngest ended up in hospital a couple of times because he didn't know how to tap out and go. He just wanted to be tough and keep on wrestling. I'm like, no, the process stops being fun unless that happens. What I found out with the wrestling, though, is that I have a few trump cards. It's like God, he's got all the trump cards. He can get involved and it's going to be way more fun and it's going to be way more enjoyable and it's going to be way more fruitful if God is involved. And when I'm involved, it's way more fun and way more fruitful, but we've got to go with the process. And I tell you what, what we've got to do is we've got to embrace the priorities. There's a couple of things that I can do. And uh, my 14-year-old found out this week when I remembered from my karate training where the pressure points are. And so he's getting a bit strong. So I found a pressure point somewhere on his wrist. I tell you what, that kid was paralyzed very quickly. Now I'm not doing any damage. It's not that hard. Don't worry, you don't have to report me. We're having a whole lot of fun. Remember, there's a process and the priorities are there to have fun. And so my kid's like, whoa, what did you do just then? I'm like, oh, it's cool. We're, gonna, we're just gonna chill, right? We're gonna have a, bit of fun, have a bit of fun. And so the whole point would be that we're gonna trust the process and embrace the priorities exactly the same with God. And so we're gonna delve into the scriptures today to go, right, God, if you're gonna move through us, the world needs Jesus, the world needs the church, but the world needs good life. Then we have to delve into how that works because we want God with all of his power to move on us and then through us because we're gonna embrace the, we're gonna trust the process, we're gonna embrace the priorities. And so as we delve into it, we're gonna find out how we work with God and how he empowers us and how he uplifts us. Acts chapter two from verses one, well, we're gonna read a chunk of it. Just roll with me, the scriptures will appear on the screen. Verse one through four, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now there's a quick tip right there. They were all together one place. They were unified. You watch what God does when His people are unified. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Sounds like living with a bunch of teenage young men. Um, anyway, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Go down to verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them. They'd gone out and they were speaking all these languages and people were like, man, are you guys drunk? People started teasing them. They made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Haven't had the chance yet. It's impossible. Are you kidding me? No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Listen up. This is God getting involved in his power. Because these people trusted the process, embraced his priorities, God moved in power. Remember, this is what we want. This is what we're believing for at Good Life Church everywhere in five current locations. And then as God would lead across the globe. So here we go. This is the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's what I'm believing for you today. Right now, as you watch this, this is not just another TV church service. 
This is an encounter point with God where the Holy Spirit would enter into your heart. It's the promise of Joel that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. I'm praying right now, wherever you're at, that the Holy Spirit would pour out in power, his grace, his wisdom, his peace. There's an encounter point where heaven touches your heart and it happens as we open up our heart. So that's what my prayer is for you today that the Spirit of God would touch your heart, that would seal this word, that would uplift and encourage, that would strengthen you and give you eyes to see that God is moving on your behalf in and through your life. This is remarkable. It keeps on going. The last days, God says, I'll pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It keeps on going. Verse 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so they've embraced the, uh, the process. They've trusted the process. Says, sorry, which is to be unified all together, one accord, all praying together. And then you'll find out to embrace his priorities, it's right here. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God's priority is his kids. It always has been. And to reach those kids, he works with you and I, not just with you and I as individuals, but puts us together as an us, his church, his people, his called out people. The Greek word for church is ecclesia, his called out people. And so I'm, uh, look, I've actually appreciated what's happened in the church of Jesus Christ while there's been restrictions because people called out. It's like when God called us to be salt and light, we got to get the salt out of the shaker. Let's get it out to the world. And that's what's happening. Good life is being awesome. Good life is loving their neighbour. Good life is looking out for each other. I appreciate the people that haven't waited for a phone call, but have actually picked up the phone and realised it works two ways. Not just to receive, but to give phone calls. Thank you so much for those people that have had that kind of initiative. The priority is that people would come to the Lord. And so it goes on, verse 40, Peter continues on with this preach. Many other words, he warned them and pleaded them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added that day. A guy that just not that long ago had rejected Christ has now had that kind of a turnaround. Peter's not that good. And that's what happens when we embrace the process and embrace the priorities. God goes, I can work with that and I can do great things in and through you. Now, what happens from that point with those 3,000 people that have been saved, it goes on to, and then for the next couple of verses of chapter two, it unpacks what that church starts to look at. And just look how wild this was because what they did is they trusted the process, they embraced the priorities and God goes, I can work with a community like this. I want you to read this with me and start to picture that God could do this in and through us. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. The Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. It continued with the trusting of the process and the embracing of the priorities, the Holy Spirit moved on and in and through them. And the church was structured, just it met in this kind of way. It met in large groups. This is 
Closest thing in my artistry to a church. There we go. We've at least got a door on us. It's a church building, but they did meet together in large groups. We can't currently exactly do that. So we're doing that on screens. I appreciate how many people go to be a part of making this service happen so that hundreds and hundreds of people across our Good Life campuses and across the globe can enjoy this. That's large group coming together. Then they met together and they broke bread. That's a loaf of bread. How good is my artistry? And then what they did is they had favour, one-on-one favour. And that is how the church worked. Large group, small group, one-on-one. The church works when we actually understand that we are church gathered. We're church scattered. And we are church in the wild. And you can't separate one and call it still church. It doesn't work. Now, how this works as they united, there's some key words there in verse 42. What it says is that they devoted themselves. So these people made the decision to do it themselves. They weren't forced. They weren't held down. They weren't made to. They devoted themselves to apostles. One, doctrine. And two, fellowship. The unity that they had continued because people made the decision to devote themselves. There was a personal decision to go, you know, the world needs Jesus. How's it going to happen? Through the church and the unique DNA of the bunch of people that God had united right there. They devoted themselves to apostles, fallible people, to the apostles' doctrine, which was their teaching, the direction and teaching and the fellowship. And so today, as we go why the world needs good life, we've really got to go there. What is Good Life's doctrine? And you can go because we're a part of INC. The International Network of Churches is our family. It's our roots. It's our history. And it's a brilliant, brilliant movement of churches to be a part of. You can read more about our doctrines if you go to the INC national website. You're welcome to, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but you could Google it. I'm pretty sure you could find it. And when you find that, you're going to find out things like we are Pentecostal. This we've just read is from the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit poured out upon His people. Pentecostal means that we still believe that God is pouring out on His people like He did on the day of Pentecost. You'll find that we're powerful. We're believing for the power of God to continue in and through us and that we're pioneering. Make no mistake, good life being a church that plants churches is not by accident. This has not happened by happenstance. This is not like, well, we had nothing better to do. No, it's actually quite inconvenient to plant churches. The gospel is free to receive, but to get it to the world is never free to give. It always takes a cost. And for us to understand our doctrine is to understand our roots. But you're going to find as you delve into certain things that we've got doctrine in regards to, like there are some churches that wouldn't let women lead and teach and preach. That would be their doctrine. And I would think they'd be in error. That's just my opinion. You're going to find people that have uh, differing values and views in regards to what marriage is and could and should be. But we are reading the Bible and seeing that it's between a man and a woman. 
And so we're going to stand upon those doctrines. These are the things that are like the rocks. It's a bedrock. It's a foundation of teaching and understanding of who we are. You're going to find that we want to give people the opportunity to give, not just because like with finance, we can do great things. That's true. But it gives people opportunity to be a part of the movement of what God is doing. That is actually a big part of our doctrine. But then the doctrine is INC. The doctrine is good life. But the fellowship is the heart and soul that beats from Apostles. And in this case, Beck and myself as senior pastors are the people that hold that role. It's a God-appointed and anointed role. And so when we say this is our doctrine, but this is our fellowship, you're going to find at Good Life Church us talking about things that's well, it's more style. It's more heart. And it's things to be understood. Doctrine is foundations, a bedrock, and we wouldn't change. But style and heart adapt as we learn and we grow and people join the team and strengths are added. And we start to become better and better. We have more experience, style and heart. It was when we talk about things like we're prepared to start small, but committed to growing big, that we take the call of God seriously, but not ourselves. It's those things of fellowship about the heart that actually comes from leaders. As we say, we really believe that family is the trump card, that we're lively, that we're bold, that we're irreverent, that we're lighthearted. Don't mistake it for lightweight. That'd be a mistake. But it's understanding that what God has put inside of us is unique. Therefore, I can say in Auckland, there is a good life shaped hole. So much so that I can be confident that when we just send seven people over there, I got back on a plane just a couple of weeks before the whole place has been locked down ever since. And we can still trust God that there's a good life. Why? Because we know that we can be fine. We can be cool. We can go, right, there's got to be answers for us to reach that city in this kind of situation. Why? Because we know that there's a good life shaped hole in Auckland. You can be confident when you know that sort of stuff. You can be confident this is who we are, that we're generous. It's amazing because John chapter 13 starts to talk about this understanding of that this creates teamwork when we understand unity. The, the, the trusting of his process is actually in unity. It's understanding, okay, here's the doctrine, here's the fellowship, and I decide to de devote myself to that. They devoted themselves to that. It means that someone in my role has a big responsibility and God holds me to that. There's accountability that I have around me to make sure that that's not wayward. Legally, spiritually, morally, financially, all those sorts of things. We're very clear of the structures in Good Life Church to make sure that the apostolic direction is godly and consistent and filled with God's plan and purpose, that we love and we care for people. John 13 and 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, you have love for one another. God goes, let me, let me really make this very clear for you. If you guys can work together, the world's gonna really see that God is real, that He is real because God Himself knows that people will actually backbite and fight against each other. They will find problems and highlight them. They'll whinge. That's what people have the ability to be able to do when they follow their own way. If you're to love one another, God goes, I, the world's gonna see and they're gonna be like, Wow. Psalm 133, verse one, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Verse three, for there the Lord bestows His blessing. 
When they came together in large groups to understand the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, there was a devoting themselves to that and that started to become a unity that when it flowed down into the church scattered, it was unified and it was powerful. And then when we went to the world and there was people that were unsaved that didn't yet know Jesus, they heard the unadulterated gospel, not just because they trusted the process, but they embraced the priorities of other people. All of these fed each other in love. And yes, they devoted themselves and out of that unity, trusting the process, the God of immeasurably more says, I'm getting involved. But if the process is unity, the priorities is the greatest amount of fun. Remember the wrestling? The greatest amount of fun was had by actually wrestling together and having a whole bunch of fun. We still do all the time. Have a whole bunch of fun wrestling and having fun with my kids it's one of the greatest things. I'm like, it's so easy. Right, let's pin them down. Let's have fun. It's what we do. It's absolutely awesome time as, as, as father and son that I can have with them. But because we're doing that, we're getting closer and we're connecting. But the priorities is fun with wrestling. God's priorities is his lost people. It's always his lost people. He came to seek and save the lost. Acts 1.8, you receive power, not just so you could have a fun time at church services, but that you would be my witnesses. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. This unity and power that God gives for us is actually all about the one-on-one. And I'm so glad because I was once this guy who got invited to church at age 16 at Good Life Church, Foster Tunkari by a girl in my school, a girl in my class who was a part of that church. And she goes, would you like to come to my church? And then I found out the community. And then I was continually discipled by more and more people. I saw what God wanted to do and it's addictive to go that way. If we realise that we want to go into all the world, that God pours out His authority right there. Matthew 4 and 19, He even says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Following Jesus is not just about a comfortable Christian life. It's about saying, Jesus, I want to fish for other people. I want to become the church in the wild because I understand this unity and the process And the priority is that the church would actually reach the world. That there's people that need Jesus. And if you're not quite sure that Jesus called you to his church, it's going to make it very hard to either reach those people or to help them maintain faith once they do get reached because you can't do the lot. Jesus says his priority is others. The world needs good life. The world needs good life unified because it's his process. The world needs good life focused on other people and its non-members. Why? Because that's his priorities. And that is the greatest fun that you could ever have in life and in the work with God. Last thing before I wrap. There was a day many years ago, Beck and I were living in Mayfield, a suburb of Newcastle. And I would get up with the kids, Sam's always been an early riser. And I'm going to say at this time, he's probably, he's probably four. No, he moved here, he was five. So maybe six. We, we, we got up and, uh, and so, um, and then I woke up with the kids and then it was a Saturday and I went for a walk. I actually got Joel, who was a baby at the time and I would go prayer walking and I stuck him in the pram and I started walking. 
And as I went out for the day, it was a lovely morning. It was a bit crisp. And so I had my trackies on and just walking along praying. And Joel's just enjoying a bit of one-on-one time, although we're just hanging out and I'm chit-chatting with him and I'm praying with God and I'm chit-chatting with him and we're stopping and we're looking at dogs and just doing the stuff. And I was probably out for an hour. And as I walked back into the house, Beck runs up to me and she goes, is Sam with you? I said, no, he's not. Why would Sam be with me? I wake up. And uh, the kids, I send them back to bed. And then what I do is then I, um, I go for a walk with Joel. It's what I do. It's my mornings. And she goes, where's Sam? I said, I don't know where Sam is. You're the, you're the mother at home. You're the, uh, <laughs> you're the one in authority. And I looked at the face and I thought, this is not the time to be funny. And she goes, Sam's missing. And I said, what do you mean Sam's missing? I've looked everywhere. I said, we need to look again. What if he's hiding? What's happened? Where is he? Is he gone for a walk? She goes, is he out in the shed? Now, because my wife always thinks there's spiders in the shed, she sends me out there. So I go out to the shed. I go out to the woodshed. I go everywhere. I'm checking absolutely everywhere. She goes, we'll look through the house. I said, let's look again. We looked in every cup. We're looking in the, fr- I looked in the fridge. I went up and I looked in the freezer. The kid does like to eat, right? So we're everywhere. We're absolutely everywhere through the whole house. You're looking at every nook and cranny. I pull back the, fr- I'm like, why would you pull back the fridge? Everywhere, under the couch, into the, into the old fireplace that had never been used, behind the TV, everywhere. Went through all of the, the the, the, the bathroom, the laundry, everywhere. And we're there and, I, and, and we were, I, I'm like, right, I'm gonna check it if he's gone underneath the, like our dog was outside and we're off and get underneath the house. I'm like, let's go and see if he's with Tana. Whenever I'm crawling underneath the house, we're calling out, Sam, Sam, where are you? And we're just about to call the police. Frantic parents just about to call the police. Mind you, the year before we moved to Newcastle, In 2007, there was a young boy by the name of Daniel Morecambe who was abducted from outside of our church, on the street outside of our church, just after one of our church services. One of our church members heard him scream as he was abducted. That's in our head and our heart as we've now lost our son. Could you imagine if while Sam is lost, Joshy comes along, little Joshy, maybe three, and he says, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I need something to eat. You'd think, man, you've forgotten the whole process here, mate. The whole process is we've got to be unified. We've got to search together. You can eat another time. The priority is not your tummy right now. You can eat another time. The priority is the lost kid. And that's exactly what's happening in every city of that Good Life Church is in. There's a unity that says we've got to work together because the priority is God's lost kids. But my kid didn't say that. We were so frantic. He read the news. He read what was going on. Could you imagine how odd it would be when Christians are called to win their world for Jesus Christ if we get out of unity and actually stop helping? That is weird. And today, God will be knocking on the door of someone's heart going, It's time to join team. It's time to say to the pastor at your campus, how can I help? It's time to say, who can I help? It's time to say, in what way can I be of assistance? I get that the priority is, therefore, we're going to give financially. I'm going to give of my time. Of course, I want to do that because the... The, the, the process needs to be trusted and we're going to embrace his priorities, which is the lost kids. Went back into Sam's bedroom and he was sleeping on the bottom bunk at that time. Joshy up top and Beck was just 
on the floor in tears, crying and praying, going, God, give us a word of knowledge. Let your spirit show us. And as she was there on her knees in the bedroom, trusting God, you got to find me my kid. you got to find me my baby. All of a sudden, the drawer underneath the bottom bunk pushes out. What's that? She goes, Sam? He goes, yes, mummy? He had, in the middle of the night somehow, gotten out of his bed, pulled out the drawer, filled with dooners and blankets and all sorts of stuff. Like it wouldn't be the type of thing he would use normally. Pulls it all the way out, crawls into the space, maybe this wide behind it, between that and the wall, and pulls the cupboard all the way back in on himself so it was flush and had slept there all night. So when we were yelling and running around and screaming, he couldn't hear a thing. It didn't wake him up until the point something woke him up and he pushed out the cupboard. And at that point, I was very happy now to feed my children. When you've got someone who you love who is missing, you would appreciate all of the people who are unified on the greatest cause of ever, your loved one finding Jesus. When we trust the process, which is unifying, and make a call and go, you know what? I'm going to devote myself to the doctrine and the fellowship of the house. When we do that, God rocks up in your life, for your life, through your life, and then God moves through us. Come on, Father, today we make a decision to say yes. We make a decision to say yes, to trust the process and to embrace your priorities. We say yes to being a part of a team. We understand the world needs good life. And so today, I pray, Lord God, that you would sink, move on our hearts, that you would pour out over our hearts, Lord God, that we wouldn't be the same again. We know that the world needs Jesus. We know that the world needs the church, but we know that the world needs our church. It needs the unique DNA that you've put within us. And it's God-given and it's God-breathed and it's not by accident. And we celebrate it and we say yes to every part of it. God, we're gonna get better. We're gonna get more redeemed. We're gonna get stronger. We're gonna learn. We're gonna grow. God, we're gonna have more experience. Lord God, we're gonna plant more churches. We're gonna give people a chance to trust the process and embrace the priority. Lord God, and let good life be found all over the globe. Lord God, because good life has rose up and said, yes, God, I pray for your spirit to move in Jesus' name on every one of us. We say yes to being a part of the team in whatever way you've got for us in Jesus' name. Amen.